as Nick said earlier in the service, that the song selections look more like Christmas. Well, so do the uh, selections of passages this morning. Our Old Testament reading will be coming from Isaiah uh, chapter 53, verses 1 through 6, and I'll be reading from the ESV. <clears throat> Who has believed what he has heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like the root out of dry ground. He had no harm or majesty that we would look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, <clears throat> a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he, was born, uh, our, he has borne our griefs and has carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned, every one, to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Our New Testament passage comes from the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, in making peace by the blood of his cross. Father, we worship you in so many different ways. We worship you by cleaning buildings for your glory. We worship you uh, by the reading of your word. We worship you by the singing of words about you that glorify you. And we worship you by the hearing of your word. And Father, we would pray that as Jerry comes after our next song, that you would be pleased to use him in a very special way to open your word for us. Father, help us to better understand your word but also to apply your word, Father, that we might conform more to the image of Christ, our Lord and Savior, whose name we pray. Amen. Well, I have a news flash for you. It's in John 1.14, and you'd have it on your bulletin on page 5. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory Glorious of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. That might be the greatest news statement that was ever uh, broadcast. In fact, uh, the great preach English preacher G. Campbell Morgan said this verse is a summary of the central mystery and manifestation of the Christian religion. A summary of the central mystery and manifestation of the Christian religion, a mystery and a manifestation at the same time. One of the New Testament writers said that regarding this, prophets and angels looked at the Old Testament prophecies, like was read this morning from Isaiah 53, and they longed all their lives to know what and who and how 
these scriptures were referring to. And now it's all summed up in one verse right here. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. And like any news story, any good news stories, the questions that one asks are answered. Who? What? When? Where? How? Why? They're all answered. Would you like to hear the answers? Well, let's begin. Who? Who are you talking about? Who's in the story? And it says the word. The word. Now, the word's already been introduced up here in verse 1. In the beginning, the word already was. So the word is eternal. The word was with God, not part of God, but present with God. And the word was God. Always lived with God, separate from, but is God. And right there you start puzzling. If you've got God here and the word here, how can the word be God? So you're already thinking. This is the word, God. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. So he's not only God eternally existent, but he is also the one through whom the world was made. And as a matter of fact, it was read from Colossians. It says that by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Okay, that's, that's whom we're speaking about, the word. He's going to go on here in this verse and say, the word. Okay, what? Now we know who. Eternal God creator of the universe, well, what? What's the core of the news story? The word became flesh. Whoop. Weren't expecting that. Neither prophets, nor angels, nor demons caught them all by surprise. It was all right there in the scriptures, but no one could imagine it. No one could conceive it. Much less could anyone figure out, well, how, did that, how does that work? We'll get to how in a moment. The what, though, is the word became flesh. And in Scripture, flesh is a word for man, mankind, human beings. The word became human. Now, that's why... G. Campbell Morgan said, the central mystery of the Christian faith. How can that be? We know the mechanics. There was a virgin, the Holy Spirit overshadowed her, and she bore a child. It became how, why, what and how? A 
being with a body. That's what flesh means. The Bible uses flesh for humankind because it points out a central characteristic. You know, we're not stones or trees. Okay? But neither are we animals because God breathed into us a life-giving spirit and created man in his own image. So that part is unique. But we're not like God and the angels. God is a spirit. He doesn't have a body. And the angels are spirits. And if you have flesh, it's unique. Flesh means you can only be in one place at one time. That's not true of God. He can be everywhere at once. He is everywhere at once. It means you're slow. Even a four-minute mile is slow compared to an angel. Okay? It means that you can get hot and cold. You can get so hot or cold you're miserable. You can get so hot or cold you can die. In the flesh. That's not true of angels. It also means that under sin, we can decay and die in our bodies. That's not true of God. It's not true of angels. It also means we can suffer in our bodies. Hunger can cause suffering, disease can cause suffering. Uh, torture can cause suffering. We can suffer physically, but we can also suffer mentally and emotionally and spiritually. All these things are implied by the word flesh. Instead of just saying mankind or humankind or people, the scripture says flesh, and that emphasizes our uniqueness. So, keeping that in mind, the word eternal, God who created everything, became flesh. Now, the mystery starts to deepen. Even if you know the mechanics, how does that work? How do you put God and the human being together? And the early Christians struggled with how to say it. They wanted to say it so that they could communicate it accurately. But they wanted to be able to say it accurately because there were people that were saying it inaccurately or incorrectly. And by doing so, they were robbing the fact of its power. And so what we understand is that there was a human nature, and there was God, and those two natures came together, and then there was one person. Are you with me? I lost myself about two steps back. <laughs> I've learned how to say it. But without those two natures mixing or one dominating the other, or one minimizing and diminishing the other. 
human and divine. So that those two natures work together in one person. In fact, that can cause confusion in Scripture because sometimes Jesus is doing things as a human being and we think, well, is that God? And he does things as God that we think, well, is that Jesus the man? It gets a little confusing. In fact, Scripture sometimes will use one for the other because they're the same person. And the scripture won't stop to give a lesson on incarnation. It would just say Jesus. And so we think, well, wait a minute, which nature is it? And the authors say, well, it's Jesus. It's the person Jesus. So that's why it gets a little bit uh, uh, confusing. And it's confusing enough that in the early church, people were saying it wrong. Now, some, because they were confused, well, early church is still going on today. Some, because they were confused and just needed to think it through a little more clearly, study the Bible a little more deeply and carefully. Uh, Some, though, because they understood the implications of this and they found it too hard to accept. For example, if you're a dualist and you believe that there's uh, the unseen and the seen, the spirit world and the material world, God the spirit and man the flesh, and that our problem is our flesh, uh, Buddhism believes that. Uh, Christian science believes that. And so what they said is, well, let's, let's help this situation Jesus was not really a human being. He just seemed to be. It's called docetism, D-O-C-E-T-I-S-M. I've even given you, uh, I put a lot of stuff in here so that you can go back and ponder and read this on your own. It's from the Greek, dokein, to seem. One of the earliest Christian heresies affirming that Christ did not have a real or natural body during his life on earth, but only an apparent or phantom one. And that's why Buddhism says, you know, evil is not real. It's just the way you see things. And Christian science says disease is not real. So you don't need to treat it with medicine. You need to treat it with prayer. Those things are still with us. But, but, but what it does, it diminishes the humanity of Jesus. And then docetism went on. And uh, got full-blown into something called Gnosticism that said that Gnosis from knowledge, the way to get to God was from some super-secret special knowledge, you see. Christian churches, until we started turning them into uh, uh, rock concert halls, had windows. You know, now they're all, there are no windows, it's all black, so you can project and do smoke and lights and everything, which I love, but, you know. Christian churches historically have had windows. You know why? Because Jesus is the light of the world. And by having light pouring in, they even got windows back up here. You can't see them, but they're lighting up the cross. By having this light pouring in, it symbolizes two things. Jesus is the light of the world. 
The other thing is, is that anybody can come through those doors and sit in our worship service as long as they behave themselves. If they don't behave themselves, I'm going to kick them out or get a deacon to do it. If they don't want to come in, they can actually stand out there and watch what we do. Because we don't do anything in our worship services that do, we don't want anybody, that, that we're hiding from anybody. See. In fact, in our security thing, they're talking about putting some uh, film on those windows because it's just too easy for someone to stand out there and do something bad. You have to think through these things these days. So docetism was saying Jesus just appeared to be a man. Now, there's a problem with that. And it comes down here. You see it below Romans 5.15 because God did an interesting thing. He said, here's what we're going to do. Everybody that is a progeny of Adam and Eve who sinned and their natures were bent is going to be born with the same bend. If you take a mold and it's cracked, Everything you make out of that mold is going to have a crack in it. And then someone said, well, that's not fair, you know, that I have to pay for the sins of my way back when ancestors. And God said, well, here's the deal. I'm going to put everybody in a federal relationship to Adam. In other words, federal means we, re- we elect a representative like down in Washington or, or Annapolis. And they will represent us. And Adam represents the human race. So that a second Adam can come along and represent humans. One for one. If you can find a second one. Because the first one sinned and we pay the price. The second one always obeyed God fully righteous, spotless lamb. And so if he becomes our Adam, then we receive his righteousness. This is what it says in Romans 5. If the many die by the trespass of the one man, Adam, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Adam Jesus. If Jesus wasn't really a man, if he just seemed docetism, if he wasn't really human, if it was just a phantom or imagination, then he couldn't be the second Adam because he's not a man. He's not human. Now, if your mind is stepping ahead a little bit, you're thinking about some of the things that are taught through uh, macroevolution. And saying there is no Adam and Eve. You're right. It works in both directions. If there's no Adam, then he can't represent us. And if there's no Jesus the man, neither he can he represent us. And the whole plan crumbles. So you see how dangerous docetism is. And so that's why John says here in 14, we have seen his glory. You see that? And he says in 1 John 1, I've got it in your bulletin, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, 
which we have seen with our eyes, and by this time, docetism was getting stronger, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. That is a statement of humanity, flesh. Not only have we seen him, well, you could have been deceived. We've touched him. He wasn't a phantom. He was real. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it. And that's, you see, where John is coming from. Because we got down here what, where, and where is he, uh, he, the where is dwelt among us, not on Pluto, not on Mars, among us here. That's the where. You see that? And the how is the incarnation. Okay? And the why is, first of all, there are two whys. The first is because of Adam. You see that? Now, let's finish the verse. And we saw, we beheld his glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father. Glory. That's the sum of all the attributes, all the beauties, the glory, just everything that God is, like a diamond that has facets cut into it, and you put it under light, and it sparkles from all directions. It's called the holiness of God, the beauty of God, the glory of God, all that he is and all that he does, all the wonderful things that he is, his character, and all the wonderful things that he does. You might notice each Sunday we try to have a worship theme, and the worship theme is either an attribute of God, God is love, God is omnipotent, God is omniscient, or an act of God, Jesus saves his people. And so that glory is all of that in one big bundle, and John says, we saw his glory. Well, what kind of glory was it? Glory of the only begotten of the Father. There's one child. Usually, I can tell if someone is an only child. Can you? That explains a lot, yeah. (laughs) They're usually calmer than most people. Not always. They're usually more self-assured than most people. You know why? All their lives, they had the full attention of two adult human beings who thought they were the greatest thing on the face of the earth. That's not bad. That's good. If you had multiple children, you had to share it. And when the next kid came along, you felt like you were like old bread, you know, like here's the new baby, you know. The only begotten Son of God. Everything that God is, everything that God has was bestowed on Jesus. All the glory the Father had, he gave it to Jesus, his only begotten Son. That's how glorious he was. Now, here's the interesting thing. He says, we saw his glory. Well, when did John see his glory? Uh, some think it was on the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus' glory shone out and Peter and James and John were there. But 
John doesn't say it was the Mount of Transfiguration. So the reader, which would have been Greek maybe, had no idea about Mount of Transfiguration. And so another way of looking at it, well, well here's, here's how the mystery deepens. It says back here in Isaiah 53, he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire. There was nothing particularly special about Jesus physically or in appearance. Well, then how did John say we saw his glory? Well, there's a little bit of an answer to that. If you turn over to John chapter 2, Jesus changes the water to wine. Uh, Ken Abbott is going to be preaching on that this summer, this passage right here. And it says, you know the story, they, uh, Jesus and his disciples, it says right there, a wedding took place, Jesus was there, and his disciples had also been invited. Well, that's probably why they ran out of wine. You know, these guys are guzzling up the wine. And so they ran out of wine, and, and this is kind of embarrassing, like running out of food. This happened one time, we were due some, a funeral or something like that, and some up came up and said to me, the food is almost gone and there are people coming through the door. Can you multiply the food? No, I said, I can't multiply the food. It's a little embarrassing. And so Jesus' mothers came and said, look, they're running out of wine. And Jesus said, that's not my job. It's not my wedding. I'm not here on earth to do miracles to give wine to people. I'm a Baptist. I wouldn't do that anyway. I mean... So he, he makes it clear. I don't have to do that. It's not my job. God didn't tell me to go around making wine. This is a good prayer instruction because Mary took the problem to Jesus even though she didn't think it was his job. But she had a need and she took it to God. And then Jesus said, it's not my job. And Mary said, I know that. But I know that you're What? Gracious, I lived with you 30 years. And so here's the next thing she did. She turned to the servant and says, do what he says. That's a good prayer thing. You got a problem no matter how bad it is or how you think it's small or big or unsolvable, take it to Jesus. Say, I got a problem. And I know you're not worried about wine, but I got a problem. And then do what he says. And then... You, you know the deal. He made the best wine, and he filled like 100 gallons. Now, look what it says down in verse 11, John 2. This, the first of his miraculous signs, Jesus performed in Cain of Galilee. He thus revealed his glory, and his disciples put their faith in him. It was his act that was a sign, a demonstration of his glory. And it says his disciples saw what happened. And they saw his glory and they believed on it. Now, this takes us back, you know, to right here at the end of John. And John says, Look, I know this stuff is hard to believe. 
verify. That's the news story. Are you sure about this? You know, some news channel said, this story, we've not been able to verify this story. And then some news station have just given up on verification, reporting, and everything. They just tell it. That's a political joke. So what's the verification? This is heavy stuff. And John says, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. John says, I know this stuff is hard to believe. But we saw it. We saw his glory. And the glory is demonstrated in two things, sayings and signs. What Jesus said and what he did. And if you go back to this verse, it says, full of grace and truth. When Jesus turned the water to wine, that was an act of grace. He didn't have to do it. It wasn't his job. It wasn't his wedding. But he was asked, and he graciously responded. That was a demonstration of grace. And truth is what he said, what he said. Truth was on his lips. He spoke truth to everyone. That was the light that he brought. So when he says Jesus was full of grace, those are signs. And truth, those are sayings. And that's why John's gospel has seven signs and seven sayings, the I am's. And so what he's doing with like with a good news story, he's saying, I know this is hard to believe, but here's the who, Jesus. Here's the what, here's the where, here's the how. Here's the verify, the signs and the sayings. I want to show you the glory of Jesus in this book so that you too can believe like I have, and then you and I can have fellowship with one another and with the Father, 1 John. Now, let's close with this. I told you there's two whys. The first was federalism. Adam, Jesus. First Adam, second Adam. Represented by the first Adam in sin and death, represented by the second Adam in righteousness and obedience and life. What's the second why of the incarnation? So that Jesus could suffer. Angels don't suffer, they're neither hungry nor thirsty. They don't need a house. But Jesus said the birds have nests and the foxes have holes, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head because the flesh gets weary and tired, and the least you need is a place to be able to peacefully rest. And Jesus in his flesh, the man Jesus, never had a home when he was traveling for three years. The flesh can suffer through shame. And it said, Jesus, when he was crucified, for the joy set before him, despised the shame and endured the suffering. You see, if Jesus didn't come in the flesh, he couldn't suffer. 
And suffering was part of the price to be paid for the first Adam's indiscretion, aggression, transgression, sin, and for ours. And this is where John gets very agitated. Because he says, not only do you take away the Adam opportunity with docetism, but you take away the suffering. And I saw him suffer. And you can't say that. And you can't take that away. Because he suffered. What does it say? What does it say? Look up here under the Apostles' Creed on page 5. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. You see that? Look what the Nicene Creed says. It's in page 84 in the back of the hymnal. Who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. If you separate Jesus from suffering, then not only do you erode and destroy his payment for our sins, because it wasn't just dying, it was suffering. You take away from us fleshly humans. The most precious thing we've got. And that Jesus suffered and died for us and our transgressions. Not for angels, not for rocks and trees, not for animals, for us and our transgressions. And that's why John, I mean, I tell you, he would get into this. He says in 1 John, can I find this? Don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God, 1 John 4, 1. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge that Jesus Christ, knowledge Jesus came in the flesh is not from God, this is the spirit of the Antichrist. Now, is that clear enough? Is that black and white? Why is that so important? Because coming under Jesus the way we come under Adam is not true if he's not a man. But it takes away the thing that means so much to John and to us. He suffered and died for us men and our transgressions. Newsflash. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have beheld his glory, glory of the only begotten Son of God, full of grace and truth, signs and sayings. And that's why John wants us to have fellowship with God and with him. There's the who, what, why, where, and are you sure? Verify part of it. But here's the good news. There's more to the news flash than that. 
he suffered and he died and he rose again. And you know why he rose again? Same way a guy gets out of jail. He paid the price. He said, it's finished. No more suffering for him. No suffering for us. Our sins are paid for. Our sins are paid for. He is risen. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you became a human being. We thank you that you were real and are real. We thank you that you suffered and died and rose again for us and our sins.